37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Hey, what's up everybody, and welcome back. This is Pixelated Paranormal 162. And Preston wants to call it, Who's Tickling Your Butthole? And when we're done, I might just leave that as the title. <laughs> I was thinking more like... Uh, I think it's, it's apt. Yeah, there you go. I was thinking, I don't know, is is like um, Cryptid Encounters Abroad appropriate? Or should we just call it Yokai? Yokai and Around with Yokai? Yeah, Yokai and Around. There you go. Yeah. One day you'll put a title on the uh, notes and I will leave it. And I'll surprise <laughs> the whole world. <laughs> well, yeah, this is episode 162, and uh, we don't have any news this episode because Preston does what Preston does. I should say Preston did what Preston does, and we've got a 14-page <laughs> document here to get through, so yeah. God only mm-hmm. knows. I'm I'm going to say it right here at the top. I'm shooting for an hour and 20 minutes. Let's see if I'm right. Okay. Cool. Well, Preston, it's all you, buddy. Let's just get into it. So two episodes ago, we were uh, talking about El Duende, and we briefly brought up the yokai. Now, Steve chubbed up and excitedly exclaimed something about some game, and my nerd alert went off. But this presented an opportunity not only to tie in another episode, which we'd like to do, Mm -hmm. but to share my nerdiness and make a connection with old Steve. So here we are. To be fair. To be fair. Uh, when you said that, it just it reminded me of the video game. I am not too familiar with the video game. I just know what it's about, but it didn't increase my knowledge of it to look it up. So, oh, yeah, but dude. either way, I'm excited yeah. to learn about this because I know how excited you are about it, and I care about. Thank you, you Steve. Most days. No. <laughs> All the days, dude. All. Of them. <laughs> All the days. Oh. So here we are. We're going to go to the bottom of the Washiki, Steve. That's Japanese for crapper. And tonight, we're going to deep dive into that shit and bring you all you didn't know or didn't want to know about the yokai. And Steve, hold on to that joke about the shitter because it's going to be relevant. Just wait. But first and foremost, let me quickly bring out my inner nerd and share with you all my love and history for the Japanese culture and folklore. And toilet. Now, yeah. (laughs) While most got their first uh, taste of the Japanese culture from, like, Godzilla or the Nintendo Entertainment System, my first encounter and later fascination with the Japanese culture came about with me opening my first pack of the 94 X-Men Fleer Ultra Trading Cards and discovering not one, but two different cards containing the Marvel villain, the Silver Samurai. (laughs) Yeah, his silver suit, looking more badass than Shredder, Dead bodies strewn about the bottom of the painting, and a glowing red store sword more deadly than the Sith lightsaber. Uh-huh. As I flipped to the back of the card, I excitedly read that his mutant power was being able to charge his katana with mutant energy capable of slicing through any substance. I moved to his little bio further down to discover his main foe was no none other than the Wolverine. So now I wait jumped. a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you here. Could uh-huh. his sword cut through adamantium? Okay, so, I mean, pretty close. I mean, I think he fucked up the Wolverine a couple times. 
I love how whenever any X-Men character has the power to cut through nearly any substance, it's always not that. that one substance is always adamantium they can't cut through. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So fast forward to my high school art class, and I was introduced to the ceramic process of Raku. This process involves using a low-fire glaze heavy in metals, um, so, you know, like magnesium, iron, copper, whatever. As the piece is firing in the kiln, you wait until the precise moment that it's red hot and looks like molten glass, kind of like the silver samurai sword. Carefully, <laughs> you pull it out of the kiln with some tongs and then submerge it in shredded paper, leaves, pine needles, horse hair, whatever. And as that shit catches fire, you quickly cover it up to create an oxidized atmosphere, which then brings out the metallic swirls as the smoke runs along the pot. And fuck me, Japan, it's like magic every time. <laughs> Can that be on the back of these t-shirts we're going to make? Yes. Fuck me, Japan. It's like magic every time. That's awesome. PlayStation 2 comes out with Fatal Frame. Um, the series of games is set in 1980s Japan with each entry focusing on a location beset by hostile supernatural events. In each scenario, the character involved is uh, in the present investigation uses Camera Obscura, objects created by Dr. Kuninakwa Asao and can capture and pacify spirits. The story of Fatal Frame was inspired by both real locations noted for apparent hauntings and local ghost-related folklore. Truly, the one horror game that freaked me the fuck out when I played it late at night with the lights off. Yeah, it's a phenomenal <laughs> game. So is the game yeah. called Obscure, which is kind of around the same, the same type of thing to in a degree. But yeah, Fatal Frame is a fantastic series. Sadly, as the series went on, it kind of lost its flame. And there's been no attempt at a reboot just yet. But the idea of using your camera to, to capture these sightings was pretty, pretty chilling back in the day. On the oh, PS2. Yeah. yeah, with the, the fucking creepy music and mm -hmm. just the whole thing, yeah. Fast forward to my college years, and I'm finding myself coming across Japanese woodcuts such as Takesha the Witch and the Skeleton Spectre, and In the Well of the Great Waves of Kaganawa, a.k.a. the Great Wave, which some consider to be Japanese first notable ancient alien encounter, so consider me fucking hooked. That's the picture right there. <laughs> That's uh, that picture that I included in the show notes is of uh, Takesha the Witch and the Skeleton Spectre. The Great Wave was the one that had the uh, giant wave going over a small boat. Um, you see it, you know, reproduced on everything. So the paranormal right. story behind that was this great, uh, you know, tsunami happened. And the next day, um, this black box you know, washed up on shore and this little Japanese villager went and opened it up. And inside was what they described as a, a decapitated head. And it opened its eyes and it like starts speaking this foreign language. And then, you know, every, everybody in Japan, <laughs> you know, in the, in the village was like, and so it was <laughs> like, it, yeah. And so <laughs> it was listening. And then all of a sudden it deciphered their language and starts speaking to him and said, you know, like, I'm a visitor from outer space, you know, I come to give you great knowledge and blah, blah, blah. And so it always kind of gets discounted as just folklore. But then, you know, the ancient, you know, I'm not saying it's aliens, but aliens um, are like, no, dude, this is a different way than a fucking head in a box. Yeah. So come down on an umbrella like Mary Poppins would be a lot nicer than a fucking box. 
after a Steve, massive Steve, you don't seem to understand yokai. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's add on top of all that, sake, sushi, samurais, the tomb of Jesus, which we've covered, the tomb of Moses, and the fact that marketing for their toilets includes the following. While the toilets look like a Western-style toilet at first glance, there are more numerous additional features, such as a blow dryer, seat heating, massage options, water jet adjustments, automatic lid opening, automatic flushing, wireless control panels, room heating and air conditioning for the room, which is included either as part of the toilet or in the seat. Amazing. These features can be accessed by an often control panel attached to the seat or mounted on the nearby wall. God. That's awesome. Now, and this is probably related to why I've seen several advertisements that are advertising the bidets or the toilets in Japan, but they feature a little ghost for like the emblem or the mascot. You know, back in college, we had to do a lot of studies of not only American advertisements, but foreign mm -hmm. advertisements. And that always fascinated me to see this little ghost on these toilet commercials. So the most basic feature... Um, in the integrated bidet is a nozzle the size of a pencil that comes out from underneath the toilet seat and squirts water. It has two settings, one for washing the anus and the other one for the bidet. The former is called posterior wash for general use or family cleaning, and the latter is known as feminine cleaning. Feminine wash or simply bidet, um, at one point, the nozzle does actually touch the bot or at no point does the nozzle actually touch the body of the user. The nozzle is also self uh, cleaning and cleans itself before and after operation. The user can select to wash the anus or the vulva by pressing the corresponding button on the control panel. Fuck those three seashells. Well, Preston, my, uh, my connection to Japanese culture is far less than what you just listed off. Yeah, <laughs> Um, but I can, I can honest to God, whenever you, uh, you mentioned the, uh, silver samurai, I can remember that card yeah. very vividly, uh, from the 94 Fleer collection. What other card featured silver samurai, like a versus card? Yeah. So there's, uh, two <clears throat> different, uh, Wolverine. And, um, so there's, uh, uh, Wolverine versus silver samurai one and Wolverine versus silver samurai two. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. So I got, uh, well, I actually now have all three of them, but at the time I just had the, the villain card and the one verse card. So, oh, okay. Hell yeah. Um, oddly enough, as you say that I happen to have on my desk in front of me, the 1994 Fleer ultra Wendigo supervillain card. <laughs> so look at us, just a couple of nerds. Yeah. Well, um, the connection I have really is obviously kaiju movies, you know, Godzilla, uh, Godzilla versus Megalon, which we'll be watching hopefully this Saturday at the drive-in, um, Mothra, you know, all those great Japanese kaiju movies, um, Super Mario World, video games, Super Nintendo. And then um, a few animes I watched, like the Giver series, which is really gnarly. Anything that has to do with people doing karate and chopping up monsters is my jam. And then uh, some Japanese horror movies, like the recent one I watched called Hasu, or House, which Mark, our very own Mark of Pixelated Sausage, uh, turned me on to that movie. And if anybody has yet to watch that movie, you really should check it out. It's very much up Gillum's uh, alley, I think, especially. Um, also, our buddy Gillum's listening in on the episode. You won't be able to hear him because he's not mic'd up, but uh, yeah, our buddy Gillum's here listening. Um, and it's about a haunted house over in Japan that... Uh, the antagonist, sorry, the protagonists are antagonized by several Japanese ghosts. And after learning what yokai are, that movie makes a shit ton more sense to me. 
And don't forget about uh, Ronin Warriors. Powers in the armor. That's like one of the best like animes, cartoons when I was a kid. I don't know. I don't think I listed that, did I? No. <laughs> you get it. I didn't watch. <laughs> I didn't watch too much of that, man. Power Rangers is about. Well, I mean, that was Japanese as well. But yeah. No, I missed a lot of that. I didn't watch too much of that or the other. Let's make robots to make bigger robots cartoons. <laughs> um, I was it. too big into Space Ghost Coast to Coast and uh, Looney Tunes. I was a you know real American cartoons. I was a Nickelodeon kid. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, yeah. Steve, what do you got, man? What's uh, what uh, early connections or any connections? So for me, all I've ever heard of that word is just the um, from the video game. So I'll just talk a little bit about the video game. I don't know much about it. I've not played much of it. So I'll just tell you about the video game. The concept is the franchise was first thought up as Doraemon IP. So kind of like mm-hmm. catching on the Pokemon phase. Uh, something that could be a long lasting over a long period of time. Blah, blah, blah. He wanted to make a franchise long lasting and came up with Yokai Watch. Yokai Watch revolves around befriending yokai that are haunting the city. They are based on traditional Japanese yokai, but often with clever twists, obviously to make them less scary. If one befriends a yokai, they get the friendship medal, an object that allows one to summon the yokai. With these, they can summon yokai to fight other yokai, befriend others, and solve everyday tasks. The basic plot for most of the media is that the main character, either Nate or Katie, obtains a yokai watch through Whisper, a butler yokai. A lot of yokais. They uh-huh. then befriend oh, dude, you have no idea. Jibijani on a cat. <laughs> a cat yokai who haunts an intersection because he thinks his owner from when he was alive named Amy called him lame for getting hit by a truck. What the fuck? What? What? what where did that come from? Uh, <laughs> during so the anime's run, other yokai were introduced so they could put it into the games. And I think they're getting ready to make a new one or something. Huh. So, anyways, that's all I know about yokai. No. Damn. Yeah. Okay, so that's not the shit you're all here for. So let's get let's get to it. <clears throat> what is a yokai? Where are they from? And what do they do? Who's yokai? Your daddy and what does the yokai do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yokai is not simply the Japanese word for demon, as is sometimes believed. They are the embodiment of a movement, a feeling of dread and bewilderment, or awe and wonder over an extraordinary event, or a strange sound or a peculiar scent that demands an explanation, an infallible phenomenon explained only by a supernatural entity. Looking at the Japanese character, simply put, yokai means strange or alluring mystery. Yokai had existed in Japan folklore for centuries. During the Edo period, which is the 17th through 19th centuries, they began to be widely seen in art. It is no coincidence that their rise to the forefront of artistic culture began at the time when print, the printing press and publishing technology became widespread. One of the oldest examples of yokai art was Hakayago Zoo, a 16th century scroll that portrayed a pandemonium of Japanese monsters. This formed the basis for uh, Japan's first definitive encyclopedia of yokai characters through the work of the 18th century printmaker Toriyama Seiken. Using the newly developed technologies of woodblock printing, Seiken was able to mass-produce yokai illustrations in his own catalogs for the Monsters Parade. The series was known as Gaizu Hakayago Series, meaning Illustrated Night Parade of a Hundred Spirits. These three texts illustrate more than 200 of these Japanese demons, each with its own uh, brief description and commentary. 
One way that adults during the Edo period liked to get their thrills was the Haku Monogatori Kataniki. This was a kind of parlor game where they uh, liked candles and guests would take turns telling ghost stories, blowing one out, blowing one of the candles out after each story. When the final candle was blown out, some sort of frightening supernatural occurrence was supposed to take place. Oh, see, it doesn't say how many candles. So we got like four or five different yokai stories. So, you know, maybe after tonight's episode, a supernatural event will take place with all of us. Joke's on you, buddy. I always light a candle before we record. Ooh. <laughs> and this bitch got three wicks. Ooh. <laughs> well, now it's time for Pixelated Paranormal's Big Book of Yokai Bullshit. Bios to your favorite Japanese demons. Demons. All right, so I want you all to picture this. It's March 30th, 1990. Finally, the day has arrived. Your favorite green pizza-eating, crime-fighting ninjas get their live-action debut. It's everything you ever dreamed it would be. Shredder, Foot Shoulders, Casey Jones, cussing in a kid's movie. Then when you least expected it, March 22nd, 1991, the sequel you never expected, but always hoped for. It hit theaters. Super Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady. I mean, kind of. No, there's no Bebop and Rocksteady. It was Taka and Razor. So Bebop and Rocksteady. Vanilla I will Ice argue for Ice. An entire episode about how fucking stupid that decision was. <laughs> vanilla anyway. Ice Ice Baby. No, it's not Vanilla Ice Ice Baby. It's Vanilla Go Ninja Go Ninja Go Baby. There you go. Uh, then the realization. Preston, did you even do your homework? Yeah. Then the realization <laughs> sets in. The trilogy of your childhood dreams is going to happen. So what comes next? Krang. Technodrome, Baxter Stockman, Turtles in Time. How about Turtles in Feudal Japan? Back to Future 3 style. Just <laughs> where in the hell am I going with this? Sean, please take over. Well, hold on a second. Before I get into it, you never come back around and explain what I'm getting at. Yeah. Like, I don't think... Are you sure? Yeah. Do you think it'd make more sense for you to mention the part about the Kappa before I get into the Kappa? I mean, if you're a nerd and you know about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 and the fact that they went back in time to feudal Japan and when they arrived in the, you know, the rice field, they're like, oh, kappa. I mean, that explains it all right there. Christ on a cracker. See, that's the detail part that <laughs> nobody's going to know except for you. <laughs> like, I don't see anywhere else in this doc you getting back to wrapping that up as to why you bring up Ninja Turtles. Well, you are now. <laughs> there you go. Okay. See, folks, that's how we do it. Okay, so uh, what you're referring to there is the Kappa. That'll be the first of the yokai we're going to talk about. And this one happens to be my favorite. Now, we've actually brought up the Kappa or Kappa before back on November of 2019's episode 121. Whereas we talked about like this 30 meter tall oceanic humanoid that people were sighting off of like the coast of, uh, oh gosh, was it Antarctica, Alaska? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Japan called the Ninjin which was supposedly a kappa, a sea or water-dwelling yokai, but it was quickly dismissed as being the yokai because this thing, again, was 30 meters tall, and the yokai kappa was way, way, way smaller. So now, guys, it's time again to bring it back around. Excuse the pun. We're about to dive into this adorable little water yokai. First of all, the name yokai translates roughly into river child or also water sprite. But the alternative names are Kawataro, Kawako, and 
komohiki or horse <clears throat> horse puller horse puller <laughs> horse puller now the habitat you can find this yokai is going to be rivers lakes ponds waterways cisterns wells found all throughout japan like aka <laughs> right watery watery places and the diet they're omnivores Kappa are omnivores, but they have a keen taste for cucumbers and human entrails. But more about that in a bit. The cucumber part? That's what I'm wearing. Cucumba. Oh, buddy, you just wait. Of course you just don't read ahead. Entrails because they're greasy looking. <laughs> the cucumbers. It's a, weird, it's a weird snack. Maybe they're just yeah, always I mean, pregnant. They have different ingredients. Yokai <laughs> are typically depicted. There's a picture depict- of them over here on the left. You've sent one. Uh huh. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. Just check it. Yeah, just wait, man. Just, I did. I did send you guys some cute little yokai kappa pictures, uh, probably from the, yokai watch. The or second one is definitely from yokai watch with the emo hair. Yeah, yeah, it's a better depiction. So kappa are typically depicted as being green, human-like beings with webbed hands and feet, and a turtle-like shell on their backs. Their skin is typically Ninja greenish. Turtles. Right there, you go. That that's what we were looking for earlier, Preston. The tie-in. Their skin is typically greenish in color or sometimes yellow or blue, depending on the region they inhabit, and have either scaly or slimy skin. The cap is said to be roughly the size of a human child, but has the strength of two or more grown men. They are extremely clumsy on dry land, but exceptional foes in the water, and thrive during the warmer months, just like a lot of water amphibians. But their most striking feature may be that they also possess three <laughs> anuses nice. that allow them to pass three times as much gas as a human. But what's... Like a <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. Do you think that this is what that thing in X-Files was? That thing that was like trapped in the sewer systems and shit? Like the white... Uh, it easily could have been. Thing? Yeah, it could have been. I mean, that episode is based off of the idea of the giant alligators in the sewers and yeah. stuff like that, you know? But, I mean, it could have easily been, you know, inspired by the Kappa, sure. Right. The Kappa's most striking feature is the odd little bowl-like dent in its head, which is called its dish or its sarah. The cranial indention retains water or some sort of liquid, like a bowl, which is regarded as the source of the Kappa's power and sometimes even its life force. This cavity must be full whenever the Kappa is away from the water with the same water it's inhabiting. If it were to dry out or spill the water inside, the kappa loses all its power and can possibly even die. The kappa are sometimes said to smell like old fish. The kappa's, arms are, <laughs> the kappa's arms are supposedly connected to each other inside their torso, so they can dislocate their shoulders and their arms can be slid all the way from side to side, one side to the other, allowing one arm to become twice as long while the other becomes extremely short while the hand holds onto the edge of the shell, allowing the kappa to reach into extremely deep crevices or holes where its victims may try to hide. While they're primarily water creatures, they do on occasion venture onto land, and when they do, their dish on their head can be covered by a metal cap or a helmet for protection. Now, the hairy kappa, which is a cousin to the regular kappa, is called the hayusobe. The hayusobe is a kappa's hairy cousin. Both are identical in every term of anatomy and physical attributes. However, there are a couple important distinctions between the two. The Hayusobe is a very hairy animal 
whereas the Kappa tends to stay outdoors, the Hyosobe loves to sneak inside people's houses for a bath. Since he's such a hairy critter, the Hyosobe inevitably leaves behind hairs and other gunk all over the bathroom, according to the Japanese folktales, and people who have been deadly sick if they were to find them. The Hyosobe's thick hair builds up with dirt and grime, so they love nothing more than to sneak into the houses at night and slip into people's bathtubs. When a Hyosobe finds a bathtub it likes, it often returns every single night, leaving behind a thick sort of scum of greasy body hair and a horrible stench. So imagine every night, you know, you hear weird noises, you get up the next morning, and it looks like somebody just washed a bunch of greasy pans in your bathtub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if the unlucky owner of such a house <laughs> empties the bathwater and throws it out, you know, all the hair and all the grease, this angers the Hayasobe so much it will then slaughter the owner's horses or cows the very next night. Hayasobe are very capricious and insolent and extremely dangerous. Simply looking at the Hayasobe can cause a terrible and contagious fever, which can spread and turn into an epidemic. Hayasobe cackle with an evil laugh, which also can be contagious. An unlucky person who hears the Hayasobe laugh and who laughs himself will be stuck with a fever and die within hours laughing himself to death. And just like their slimy, scaly cousins, Hayasobe love to eat eggplants instead of cucumbers. But let's get back to the kappa. As water monsters, Kappa have been blamed for drownings and are often said to try to lure people into water and pull them in with their great skill at wrestling. They use their incredible skill at sumo wrestling to either challenge, wear out, or straight up subdue their victims and then drag their bodies into the water that they live in. They're sometimes said to take their victims for the sole purpose of drinking their blood, eating their livers, or gaining great power by taking their shirikodama, a mystical ball shaped like gland that's believed to contain the human soul, which is located inside the human anus. So, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> there is a gland. Right. The Japanese believe there's a gland called the Shirikodama, which is a ball. <laughs> Not the shitty. It's spelled with an R. Shirikodama. It's a mystical ball shaped gland inside the anus, which is said to house the human soul. I'm going to help you out here, Steve. It's the prostate. It's the prostate. Nice. That makes sense. <laughs> and they also like to eat cucumbers. So, butthole glands and cucumbers. Kappa have been used to warn children of the dangers of lurking in rivers and lakes, as Kappa have been often said to try to lure people into the water to pull them in. Even today, signs are all around Japan warning about the Kappa, that they appear near bodies of water in some Japanese, pa- some Japanese towns and villages. Kappas are also little perverts that can sometimes be seen peeking into bathroom windows while women use the restroom or bathe, and in some instances... Oh? They've been discovered to be hiding in linen closets or even in toilets while watching people take baths. Oh, creeps. Kappas also enjoy lurking inside the bottoms of outhouses that drain out into riverways, trying to sneak a quick little peek at the ladies or even snag a child or two to pull down through the drudges of human waste and then drowning them and ultimately feasting on their young prey. The shitty Pennywise. So, so maybe they should be called the crappa. <laughs> oh, that joke's too oh, easy. The judges it will is. allow it. It is. But here's something that's not too easy. Trigger warning, guys. The actual origins of the kappa can be a little triggering. So uh, 
proceed with caution. The origins of the Kappa is extremely morbid and sad. Poor families who had newborn babies, either planned or unplanned, as nature's law holds true when a man and a woman lay with each other and they're very fertile, babies happen. Well, these families would oftentimes throw the babies into rivers when they couldn't afford to take care of them, or in a lot of cases, if it was a female baby, because they didn't want to be overpopulated, but again, a man could take on the family name and go ahead and go forth and procreate, while sometimes they viewed females as just a waste of space or another mouth to feed. Okay. And it's morbidly <laughs> as morbid curiosity takes hold, the family's surviving children would wonder where their newborn siblings may have disappeared to, and oftentimes go out to find them. But they would be told that babies were just out swimming and not to worry about it. So many other children would fall into rivers and ponds as they themselves try to find their siblings, and they would inevitably drown too. And so adults told their children the stories of the Kappa to keep them from going near the rivers to see the floating dead bodies of the babies. And so the spirits of the deceased babies being murdered or drowned would then manifest into the vengeful yokai and haunt and hunt the humans that have abandoned them, sometimes going as far to mimic the sound of a crying infant to lure an unsuspecting woman who the kappa would then ravage and rape, only to return six months later to steal the woman's baby away and eat it in front of the mother, or just to spite her, just as she abandoned it, the yokai instead would steal the baby away and bury it in the vegetable garden, only to have the body be discovered days or even months later by the grieving family. They truly are bastards. Yeah. Now, more traits about the kappa. The kappa are usually seen as mischievous troublemakers or trickster figures. Their actions range from comparatively, mi comparatively minor, such as looking up a woman's kimono, to outright malevolence, such as drowning people and animals, kidnapping children, raping women, and at times even eating human flesh or at least drinking their blood. Though sometimes menacing, though, it may also behave amicably towards humans. While younger kappa are frequently found in family groups, adult kappa live in solitary lives. However, it is common for a kappa to befriend other yokai and sometimes even people. Kappa are also said to victimize animals, especially horses or cows. The motif across Japan is that the kappa constantly try to drown horses and cows. So the kappa is oftentimes blamed for the drowning deaths of livestock, but sometimes they themselves become a victim. If a kappa gets too headstrong or ambitious and tries to drown any of the livestock too soon, the drowning can go south, and the kappa itself could get snagged in a horse's mane and then be dragged all the way back to the stable by the horse, where the kappa will then be found by the farmer, either extremely vulnerable or sometimes actually dead, by means of being trampled by the spooked horse and also due to the loss of the precious head liquid. If you're not lucky enough to be a horse with a tangly mane, there are a few ways to survive an attack by the kappa. It's believed the kappa are obsessed with politeness. So if a person makes a deep enough bow, the kappa will return the gesture. This oftentimes results in the kappa spilling out the entire head contents in its dish, rendering it unable to leave the bowing position until the plate is refilled with water from a river in which it lives. If a person refills the spilled water, the kappa will then serve the person for all eternity as its indebted servant. 
A similar weakness of the kappa involves its arms, which can be easily pulled from its body, basically like you just pull it right out. Hmm. If an arm is detached, the kappa will perform favors or share its eternal knowledge in exchange for the return of its severed limb. Now, Steve, this one's for you, buddy. Pay attention. Another method to defeat involves shogi or sumo wrestling. Wait, that's not the part I wanted you to talk about. like, what? Asshole? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know how to sumo wrestle, right? <laughs> Another method. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What an asshole. That's great. Mm. Another method of defeating involves shogi or sumo wrestling. A kappa sometimes challenges a human being to wrestle or engage in other tests of skill. This tendency is easily used to encourage the kappa to spill water from its head. One notable example of this method is a folktale of a farmer who promises his daughter's hand in marriage to the kappa in return for the creature irrigating his whole farm. The farmer's daughter challenges the kappa to submerge several gourds in water. Then when the kappa fails its task, it retreats, saving the farmer's daughter from marriage. The kappa have also been driven away by their aversion to ginger, iron, and sesame. Now, I know that little folktale is kind of weak, so I'm going to make up for it, okay? Steve, this part <clears throat> is for you. <laughs> Finally, kappa are deathly afraid of loud noises. So fishermen, who are often stalked or harassed by the kappa, will simply drop trow, tighten the abdomen, force the air from their lower ab abdomen to their anus, and rip the nastiest, loudest fart they can to scare away the kappa. What the fuck? Illustrated here. Yeah. <laughs> illustrated here in the photo I've presented. But beware. If you only let out a little squeaker, you could find yourself in a good old-fashioned fart-off with the kappa. And if you remember what I mentioned earlier at the top, a kappa has three anuses, ergo three buttholes. Ergo, it can really pack a wall up if it wants to really rip one. And if it manages to outfart their victim, it'll reach up, it'll rip out your soul bead through your butthole, and then disembowel you in front of your friends simply for being rude enough to break wind in front of it from the get-go. Ergo, vis-a-vis, -vis, you're fucking done, son. <laughs> Kappa are not entirely antagonistic towards humans, though. Once befriended, a kappa may perform any number of tasks for human beings, such as helping farmers irrigate their land. Sometimes they bring fresh fish, which is regarded as a mark of good fortune for the family that receives it. They're also highly knowledgeable about medicine, and the legend states that they actually taught the ancient art of bone setting to human beings, also known as chiropractic therapy. Ain't let one of them little bastards come near me with no massage on my back. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think I've got anything to worry about because as Preston knows, anytime he and I have ever done any kind of obstacle course race like uh, Tough Mudder, Warrior Dash, the uh, Yeti Temper Challenge, for whatever reason, I just fucking grip it and rip it the entire time. I am just right. You know, and you have the ability to like mask your farts, so it's like mm -hmm. you could fart, but then it's like three people down the row will be like, "God, did you just fart?" Like your farts will <laughs> travel in it. silence, and then yeah. boop, explode. And you're you're there doing something for a good cause, and you're oh you know, yeah, you may put your body through shit like 
Yeah, sometimes, like man. You get pretty like beat up. like yoga class or something. They just tell you, like, it's going to happen. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can but, laugh, you know, of course, really... but don't get mad at somebody. Like, fuck <laughs> <off>. <laughs> No, mine's pretty obnoxious, Steve. It's usually about every minute to two minutes. you don't have three anuses. At least I don't think you do. I mean, you've never seen me in a cap in the same I've room, I've heard you, you fart, though. That's not a three-anus fart. <laughs> That's I not mean, a three-anus fart. I mean, that was, that was his nickname in <laughs> high Listen, school. I know three-anus Sean. With two assholes. Like, for real. And he gladly what? shows it off. Shows it off. It's weird, huh? Like it's more like an indention at the top of his crack, but it uh-huh. looks like. But he's big, so like his asshole. Uh, like he looks like he has two assholes. It's weird. hilarious. He, Gil, your friend might be a cat. Gil knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Well, Steve, it is said. It is said that if the offspring of a kappa and a human manages to survive, it is the worst thing a human can ever lay eyes on." I'd like to think the average of three buttholes in one butthole would be two buttholes. Yeah. True. Friends of Kappa. That's true. It could be. <laughs> Your friends of Kappa. Yeah, I'd like to think I'd be safe. But yeah, it is the weirdest superhuman power to have to be able to not throw farts physically like like a baseball, but like throw a fart and four or five people away are like, did you just fart? And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> He's treating like a fucking curveball in baseball. It's the best, man. It really is a lot of fun. He's going to put a little spin on this one. <laughs> <laughs> put a little spin. On 90 this degree one. angle on this one. Oh shit! Oh, you want a fastball? I mean, fast fart. Here you go. Yep. Well, Preston, I don't know if you accounted uh, on that stuff from the kappa, but it seems like it's going to fall right into the next kappa that, or the next yokai that you have listed here. Yes. Yeah, so when it's not the year twenty twenty, what do you use when you're in an ancient when you're in ancient Japan and you don't have a bidet? How about the kirote? Hand. Oh. Translations <laughs> for the kirote is black hand. <laughs> it lives in go. toilets. <laughs> its diet is unknown. Now let's get into some stories. A Kirote is a bizarre hairy yokai from the Noto Peninsula in Ishikawa 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 Prefecture. The legend states that long ago in the province of Noto, there was a samurai named Kasamutu Yenobe. He lived in a, a nice house, which was typical of a samurai. And one day, his wife went to use the bathroom, and something strange happened. While using the toilet, she felt a hand reach up from the darkness and stroke her ass. She told her husband, <laughs> who suspected the work of a mischievous Tananuki or Kitsune, but Yenobe drew his katana and entered the bath- bathroom. Sure enough, as he stood over the toilet, something moved. An arm, covered in thick black hair, reached up out of the darkness and began making a stroking motion. With one swipe of his sword, Yenobe sliced the hand clean off, and he put it into a box. Wait, was he like doing the jerk the jerk motion to him? He's just sitting there, <laughs> his hand just doing this shit. He's like, no, fuck that. Cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, God, that's the best. So he put the hand in the box. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to keep this. Well, what the fuck else are you going to do with this, Steve? I got my hand in a Throw box. Throw it away? What are you well, going to keep it for? Well, that's a good argument. Yeah. Several days later, three <clears throat> yokai disguised as priests appeared in Yenobe's house. Not realizing their true form, Yenobe invited them in, and the first priest said, There's a strange presence in this house. So, Yenobe brought out the box and showed them the hand, and the second priest said, This is the hand of the creature known as Kirote, who lives in human toilets. The third priest examined the hand closely and snarled. This is my hand which you cut from my arm. 
He immediately, what? yeah, he immediately transformed into a nine foot tall black haired monster. Damn right he snatched the hand away like, Quink, <laughs> bitch, and all three priests vanished. Sometime later, when Yenobe was walking home late at night, something like a quilt pants. fell down from the sky <laughs> on top of him. It wrapped him up and unable to move. Yenobe was lifted up to seven feet into the air and then violently slammed into the ground. When he came to, Yenobe noticed that the sword he was carrying on his belt, the one at which he used to cut off the Kirote's hand, was missing. <gasps> Whoa. Thirteen Nightmares will return Saturday, October 10th. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to ad lib another yokai in here real quick before we get out of the bathroom because I was doing some more research on the uh, kappa, which I found out also there's 12 different types of kappa apparently, but there's really only two they talk about the most, which is the kappa and the hiyosobe. And we're not there's getting also... out of the bathroom for a while, buddy. Just to let you know. Oh, okay, good. Well, while we're here, let's talk about the akaname. This goblin-esque yokai. Sp- Yokai spirit is filthy and disheveled with a long protruding tongue, and according to folklore, it's primarily known for licking the filth off of bathtubs. While not seen as a particularly frightening creature, the image of a gross little spirit, a gross little sprite, licking the dirt off the tub is not exactly friendly. I bet this guy loves the Hiyosobe. I bet that's what he does. He follows that little dirty, hairy bastard around. Uh-huh. I'm hip to your tricks. Japan's bathroom spirits may appear to be uniquely ready to haunt your every bowel movement, but ultimately, they are there for good reasons. To t- <laughs> You're exposed and vulnerable, literally naked. At- what the fuck? My phone just turned off. It's the Akaname. Yeah, dude. I guess, man. Goes in the machine. Oh, there we go. Turn back on. the. You're not going to tell them about my tricks, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Anyway, and that's that's really all they have to say about the Akaname. But I thought he's a cute little guy there. That little picture shows him just peeking around the corner with his dirty ass little dick tongue hanging out. Dick Aww. tongue. Sounds <laughs> fun. <laughs> well, just like 2020, does the current feudal Japanese play got you down? Do you need your top knot razzle dazzled and you can't get to your favorite barber? Fear not, because all you need. <laughs> Is a visit from the Kamakiri. That's right. That I translation you were say, means cuts by Collinson. Yeah, haircutter. It lives in urban areas, dark alleys, toilets, bedrooms, and it likes to eat human hair. The Kamakiri are a kind of magical arthropod with scissor-like, uh, with a scissor-like beak and hands like razors. They are small and capable of sneaking quietly through open windows and doors without alerting their victims. A Kamakiri's modus operandi is simple, sneaking about at night and cutting a person's hair, suddenly and unexpectedly. They hide under roof tiles and wait for the unexpected prey to pass by. Kamakiris are indiscriminate in their attacks. They go after anyone with hair. Men, women, children, babies, servants, and yes, even the aristocrats. Kamakiri strike in urban areas. They stalk alleyways, bathrooms, and other out-of-way places. 
In many cases, they, the strike goes completely unnoticed until later when a mop of cut hair is found lying in the street where friends and family point out that the victim's hair, um, you know, it's like a striking new hairstyle. Like, dude, what the fuck happened to your top knot? <laughs> Did you do something to your hair? Oh. Often the victim is asleep in bed with the kamakiri attacks. In the days when long hair was the only fashion in Japan, the kamakiri was a terrifying apparition indeed particularly in high-class urban areas. These days, with the wide variety of hairstyles, including short hair, kamakiri are no longer feared as they once were. Aside from random malicious attacks, it is said that the kamakiri strikes are sometimes a sign that a victim is unknowingly about to marry a yokai. While these couplings are uncommon, there is a number of stories of kitsune and other shape-changers tricking unexpecting men into marrying them. Because these improper marriages are often are often in a catastrophe, helpful kamakiri interfere in hopes that the wedding will be called off. <laughs> Not today, Satan. That's right. One account of a kamakiri attack was printed in a newspaper and is as follows. May 20th, 1874, about 9 p.m. in a neighborhood of Tokyo, a servant girl named Yen left her master's mansion to use the outhouse. She suddenly felt a ghostly chill. And a moment later, her hair, her hair fell disheveled about her face as her long ponytail was lopped off at the base. Yin panicked and rushed to the neighbor's house where she promptly fainted. The neighbors investigated the outhouse and discovered Yin's severed hair strewn about the floor. Afterward, Yin became sick and, from stress and returned to live with her family in the countryside. Nobody ever used the shitter ever again. Wow. Can you imagine having an outhouse that's haunted by a fucking kappa in the crapper, a severed black hairy arm wiping your ass, and another fucking yokai cutting your hair? Yeah. Burn all that shit. That's why everybody shit their pants. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, What else you got there, Presto? Well, imagine, if you will, you come across a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Or did you? In fact, Sean, you're colorblind, so it could be a crimson or scarlet in color. If I seen a one eye and a one horn, I wouldn't be really worried what color it was. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. If it's indeed the purple people eater, don't worry. He just wants to be in your rock and roll band. But if it's the scarlet Shunoban, you are in fact fucked. Run and run fast. The translation for Shunoban is scarlet tray. And it can also be pronounced Shinoban, Shuban, or Shubanyo, which is Scarlet Tray Priest. It likes dark, lonely roads and buildings, and the diet is unknown, but possibly humans. Shinoban are f- ferocious demons from the mountains of Nagita in Fu- Fukuyoka. They have. Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah, I'd buy that. Hold on, let me bring my phone a little bit closer because I don't have my bifocals on. <laughs> Steve Preston does wear bifocals, that old bastard. Yeah. Old bastard. They have bright red skin and wear priest robes. They are usually depicted as having a single eye which glows like lightning. However, two-eyed versions also exist. Their mouth stretches from ear to ear in a terrifying grin, and when they gnash their fangs, it sounds like thunder. Their hair resembles long needles, and they can grow up to 1.8 meters tall, and their heads are quite large in proportion to their bodies. 
Shinoban are masters of psychological horror. They are primarily active, or their primary activity appears to be scaring humans by revealing their horrifying face at just the right time to their unexpecting victims. People who encounter a Shinoban usually end up fainting or even dying from fright. Shinoban often works alone, but they also occasionally cooperate with other yokai. In some stories, they work with uh, Shitanaga Uba and help them capture humans to eat. Shunoban are also portrayed as serving powerful yokai like uh, Kame Haim of the Ishiwaro Castle and, oh fuck, I hate these words, Nur Hayong. <laughs> uh, fuck, I don't know what the fuck that is. Anyways, the name Shunoban refers to their large head which resembles uh, broad round trays. Their name was originally Shinoban, however, when Matsuzuki Shir- Shiragu portrayed them in his works, he wrote the name Shunoban, and due to the popularity of Mishuki's work, Shunoban became the more common spelling of this yokai's name. <laughs> so, legend has it that long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a young samurai was traveling alone on the road through Azu. He had heard a local legend that a monster supposedly wandered the road, so when evening came and it grew dark, he began to feel afraid. Not too far ahead of him, he spotted another young samurai walking in the same direction. He quickened his pace to catch up so he would not have to walk the road alone. He chatted with the other samurai about this and that until finally he arrived on the subject of the local legend. I've heard that there is a creature called a Shonobon who appears on this road at night. Have you heard of this legend? The other samurai turned to him and said, Is he uh, supposed to look something like this? And as he spoke, his skin became red as if covered in blood. His hair grew out into spikes. His eyes began to glow like the stars. His mouth split open from ear to ear, revealing a row of razor-sharp fangs. The samurai was so frightened that he fainted right there on the road and shit his pants. <laughs> Sometime... If only he had a severed black monster arm to wipe his ass. Yeah. Sometime later, he woke up. The monster was nowhere to be seen. The samurai ran as fast as he could down the road and stopped at the first house he saw. A woman lived there, and when she saw the terror in the poor samurai's eye, she invited him in. As his nerves settled, he found the courage to tell the woman about the horrible monster he encountered. Oh, you poor thing. What a horrible sight to see alone on a road. By the way, did the monster you saw look something like this? As she spoke, her face transformed into the Shunoban he had seen earlier. The samurai ran screaming from the house. He ran all the way back to his own home and hid in, in his uh, futon. He was so scared to leave, after 100 days, he succumbed to his fear and died. And when he got home, his futon said, you poor thing. Yeah. Did the monster look something like this? I want to see a movie where that's all it is. It's just yeah. it's every, every samurai getting duped by this fucking thing. It's a banana. It's a banana. Did he look something like this? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. If there's an anime like that, I, there needs to be one. Yeah. Uh, he goes to he goes to fill his gas tank, and the the handle turns into it. <laughs> oh, I can't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Did the unleaded gasoline you were looking for look something like this? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh shit. The next one you've named the Tootsie Pop Tongue Bitch. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? So how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Well, a that age-old question was answered with the help of a licking machine. <laughs> and the answer is roughly 364 licks. But with is the help of the Shitanaga Uba, <laughs> you could be a Guinness World Record holder with just 10 licks or less. Ooh. So Jesus, the translation got, for got that cat's is... tongue. Yeah. Long-tongued old woman. And she likes to live in isolated hovels deep in the mountains, and her diet is human flesh. The Shitanaga Uba looks like an elderly woman. They live in dilapidated hovels deep in the mountains. They feed upon lost travelers by licking the flesh and blood from their bodies, using their extremely long tongues, which can be over 1.5 meters long. Uh, <gasps> that's like four and a half feet long. Yeah. Shitanaga Uba are known to cooperate with other yokai, like the Shunoban, being the most famous example. They can also be found um, in the employ of powerful spirits such as Kamehame uh, of the Ishiwanaro Castle. Legend has it that one cold autumn evening, two men traveling from Ishigo to Edo found themselves lost in the mountains. Night was fast approaching, when up ahead they spotted a lonely, crooked old cottage alongside the road. They knocked on the door of the cottage and begged for shelter for the night. The old woman, in her seventies, was inside, spinning cloth of rame. She welcomed the two men into the hovel and did her best to make them feel comfortable. She put some dried leaves into the hearth to start a fire, boiled water to make tea, and the two men were grateful for the simple hospitality and soon fell asleep. One of the travelers awoke from his slumber with a funny feeling. Squinting into the darkness, he thought he saw the old woman leaning over his traveling partner and licking his face with an impossibly long tongue. The man was startled <laughs> and coughed, and suddenly the old woman moved back to the hearth and nonchalantly continued spinning the rame. A moment later... Uh, there was a gruff voice at the window. Oi, shit, Inaga Uber. It's Shunaborn. What's taking you so long? Let me give you a hand. Another... It's me, the Peruvian <laughs> Australian. Australian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, so another monster entered the hovel. It stood about two meters tall and had a large scarlet face that resembled a lacquered tray. The traveler drew his sword and jumped at the Shunoban. As he slashed, the spirit vanished into the thin air. Meanwhile, the old woman grabbed the sleeping companion, goink, and ran out the front door. <laughs> an instant later, uh, the entire hovel vanished, and the traveler found himself in the middle of an abandoned field. Alone, helpless, and lost in the dark, the man curled up into the roots of the tree and slept. When morning came, there was no sign of the hovel or the old woman. In a thicket nearby, he discovered the remains of his travel companion, a bleached white skeleton, licked completely clean. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Holy cow. I like that one, man. Yeah. You got that lady remind me of, you know, the labyrinth? That one old lady with all, like, the shit on her back. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. You're going to need your stuff. Yeah, you're doing your stuff. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they uh, yeah, boys like tongue. Yeah, always exactly serve here is tongue. 
Well, now it's time for Pixelated Paranormal Presents Lady in the Water, Modern Tales of Yokai Encounters. Nope. This segment did not pan out the way I wanted it to. I couldn't find shit on modern day yokai encounters. And, you know, to be honest, the reason why I think this is, is um, you have uh, the yokai, you have the yoni, and then um, what do we say Godzilla was earlier, Sean? Kaiju. Kaiju. So all of those are kind of intertwining things. So you can have a kaiju, but it also kind of reminds people of a yokai. And then you could have like a yoni, which is like a hungry ghost or an evil spirit. But then again, it shares the same qualities as a yokai. So the idea that the yokai are kind of, you know, intertwined with an unexplained event. So back then, like mm-hmm. you'd hear a fart in the wind and well, it wouldn't be my buddy Steve next to me because he wouldn't fart like that, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it has to be a yokai. So it's kind of one of those, you know, paranormal folklores where you look at it throughout history. It was to explain the unexplainable or what they didn't have the science for. And so mm-hmm. now, you know, attributing a story to the yokai is more like an embarrassment. And because that society has such high honor to their family, you're not going to openly talk about yokai, whereas like hungry ghost or, you know, cryptids and things like that, you're going to be more open to talk about. So while I could find plenty of stories about like the hungry ghost and um, some other Japanese cryptids, actual modern day yokai encounters are like null and void. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that makes sense. They kind of serve their purpose and like much folklore does, you know, they, they kind of have been explained away, unfortunately. Yeah. But in saying all that, I stumbled upon this quote from Hiroko Yoda, co-author of the book Yokai Attack um, on the subject matter. Yokai often play the role of helping people process unpleasant feelings or situations. They can sometimes be a kind of pressure valve for when things get tense. What gives them weight is their long history. Yokai, in various forms and names, have been a part of Japanese culture for centuries. Today... Yokai are mainly a form of entertainment. They're commonly used as characters in video games, anime, and comic books. And since I already covered this next part, I did find a positive modern-day yokai encounter recently in the news. So in Japan, as parts of the country uh, declare a state of emergency, people have been reciting... Hold on. It's the bifocal thing again. Bifocal. Uh, Yeah. So in Japan, as part of the country uh, declares a state of emergency, people here have been uh, reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic in unique ways by sharing images online of a mystical mermaid-like being believed to to ward off plagues. Largely forgotten for generations, Amable, as it's known, is an auspicious yokai, popularized through Japanese folklore that was first documented in 1846. As the story goes, a government official was investigating a mysterious green light in the water in the former Haigo province, present-day Kumamoto prefecture. Mm-hmm. When he arrived at the spot of the light, a glowing green creature with fishy scales, long hair, and three fin-like legs, um, and a beak emerged from the sea. 
Amoebe introduced itself to the man and predicted two things. A rich harvest would bless Japan for the next six years and a pandemic would ravage the country. However, the mysterious person instructed that in order to stave off the disease, people should draw an image of it and share it with as many people as possible. This curious encounter was promptly published in local newspapers and accompanied by a woodblock print of, of Amoebe's likeness which helped to disseminate its image across Japan. For much of the past 174 years, Amoebe has remained rather dormant, but as the coronavirus has swept across Japan, its image has recently resurfaced on social media, bringing hope that those who share it are helping to end the current pandemic. According to Google Trends, the mystical yokai resurfaced in early March, and its popularity has since spread to the five continents, with the hashtag Amoebe Challenge now appearing in English. In addition to the tens and thousands of paintings, drawings, and personalized uh, depictions of Amoebe on Twitter and Instagram, people in Japan have begun selling face masks, hand sanitizers with Amoebe's image on them. One illustrator who daubed Amoebe's likeness on the side of their long-haul lorry tweeted an image of it, saying, I travel all over the country with my goods and amoebae to pray for the disease to go away. Other amoebae believers, is a really bad pun, have made edible amoebae sushi and baked amoebae-shaped biscuits. The yokai has found yeah. itself embroidered on fabrics and blown up as a balloon animal and made available as a charm in Japan's uh, ubiquitous gachapon, or like capsule machines. People are even dressing up their pets as the seaborne sprite. Similar to the comfort brought by the popular mascot Kumamon following the 2016 Kumamoto earthquake, Amoebe's resurgence has brought a sense of levity at a time of great uncertainty. There's a lot of dark news at the moment. I think people who see all of that want to join themselves. When people paint or draw, it tends to calm them down, so people are drawing for both themselves and others. Various artists are participating in the fun, which I think is a good thing. Amoebe might just be a, fiction, a fictional figure, but spreading its image is helping to bring light and togetherness in a time when people are looking for connection and hope. Okazaki's own description or depiction of Amoebe is of a colorful creature powerfully rising from the sea, overshadowing a dark demonic figure looking lurking in the background. Fact. Fake. Or fiction, yokai are very much alive and well and are still impacting modern folklore and hold a special place in our dark, spooky hearts. Huh. Interesting little shit, shit swipers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've now finally answered the age-old question of who's tickling your butthole. Oh, look at that. What a ride. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, man. Uh, you did a hell of a job researching all that. And I know we just barely, uh, barely scratched the surface on that. You, uh, you actually started a project a while back illustrating some of these yokai. Yeah. So it was, um, like, a, a little like illustrator project that I was doing called like yokai day. And so I kind of went through and started kind of pulling apart, like some of my favorite yokai, Mm -hmm. And then kind of like right. drawing them and posting them on Instagram. So, Hell yeah. Um, which ones did you do? There was like a severed baby's arm that hung from a tree. Well, hold on. Let uh -huh. me jump on my Instagram. I did a yokai drawing of the Akito, 
And it, the Akito appears just as, as the name implies, a red disembodied hand belonging to a child and is found hanging from a Japanese honey locust tree and it tickles the heads of people who are passing underneath it. Then I did the Morio, uh, which is like a general term for the Chime, or a, mm -hmm. or a large number of natural spirits that live in the wilderness. Um, it can re refer to mountain or swamp spirits. And uh, the Morio feeds upon the body of dead humans, and they like to rob graves. So that's the photo that's at the top of our uh, show notes. Oh, okay, yeah. And then I did the Yame. Uh, which is just a general term for evil spirits. And um, they're thought to be, uh, I don't know, they look like a jellyfish with a, a face. With jowls. <laughs> yeah. And then I did uh, the Ushione, uh, which is a terror from Western Japan and is a class of monster that lives near the water. And the name literally means ox demon. So it's like a, an ox with a spider body. Ooh, gross. Yeah, that noise, dude. Yikes. And that's about as far as I got because it's like there's literally like 400, 500 different yokai. So I'm like, dude, I ain't got that much time. So wasn't there like, one that's just a giant wall? Oh, yeah. There's like a giant flesh wall. That one didn't turn out as great. So I, I kind of scrapped that one. Yeah. Unique idea, though, man. Well, you it's know, awesome. in the game Terraria, the first final boss to turn the game from regular to hard mode is the is the wall of flesh. I remember that. Yeah. Mm. Jesus. Well, Presto, that was a that was a hell of a good episode, man. I uh, I want to thank you for doing the brunt of the research on that. And who knows? I think there could be room for a yokai part two. Yeah. Maybe we can find the other uh, ten different kappa that we didn't mention there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, we got anything else on that, or is that it? I think that's it, man. Steve, what do you got to uh, plug tonight? Check us out. Check. <laughs> Cool. Check us out on Instagram, PXL Paranormal. Go there for all the little cool teasers for episodes and uh, references to the episodes through pictures. It's awesome. Check us out on Facebook, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Go on there, like the page, share the posts. It really helps out, gets people to engage. Um, highly recommend everybody messaging into the show through Facebook Messenger or Instagram DM. Yeah. Anything like that. You can also email us at, what is that? Pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. There you go. Easy peasy. And, yeah, that's about it. I'll also uh, get like a little quick plug. Watch the documentary uh, on Netflix for Social Dilemma. It's really interesting. Yeah. And it'll make you it'll make you look at things a lot differently. And sometimes it'll stress you out, but it'll give you also give you peace of mind of like how to go forward. Mm -hmm. So. Sure. Def definitely watch it and turn your notifications off on your phone. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yep. I took a, a quite a long break from my personal Instagram and it was uh it was a little stressful because I'm so used to doing, you know, art mm -hmm. all the time and posting it and I took quite a long break and just recently got back to it and it was kinda nice just not getting on there all the time or yeah. you know, seeing I the notifications. Off all notifications for Facebook. Uh, all notifications off on my Instagram, not the show Instagram though. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, I still have notifications for Snapchat because I really don't get many Snapchats. But mm -hmm. and then text messaging on certain people keeps it on. Certain certain people are grouped off. 
yeah just to try to decrease the phone time as much as i can because it's pretty crazy when you sit down and think about how much we are on our phones yeah and i mean we're not gonna we don't gotta get into the documentary because that's another hour's chat at least (laughs) right it does seem very bizarre how i will be almost positive i have not said a thing that i was thinking of specifically out loud and I'll just get random notifications, or not notifications, I'll just get random ads for shit that I know I haven't talked about out loud. Algorithm, dude. Yeah, it's just so fucking weird it's and pretty, specific it, yeah. sometimes. And they talk about that. You gotta yeah, watch it. yeah really that's good. the part that I was getting to on that documentary, too. So. Oh, and what's it called? The Social Dilemma. No, I'm going to watch it as soon as we get off. Like an hour and a half, maybe, on Netflix. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. Speaking of Netflix, check out the new TV show with Sarah Paulson called Ratched. Pretty great. Uh, John recommended that to us, and Shayla and I watched the first episode, and it's pretty great. Is it Ratched or Ratchet? Ratched? Ratched. Ratched. I think it's Ratched. I think. Yeah, and it's not like the WAP Ratchet. It's about Nurse Ratchet. Uh, But yeah, pretty great by the uh, producer and creators of uh, American Horror Story, so... That's pretty awesome. Yep. And then check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out our 13 Nightmares. As you may have heard in our little plug a little bit ago that I'm going to edit and stick in here that you guys haven't heard yet. We're coming back, baby. We recorded an episode this morning. We should be back into your ear holes on Saturday, October 10th. And then check out... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait, man. It was a good chat this morning. Um, so good that we actually have to do a part two because we just went way past what I was thinking we'd record for. So, but that's good. That's a good thing. Uh, check out Mark's and amazingly Baca, check out the, uh, pixelated sausage and check out attack the backlog. Preston, what do you got for us? Um, if you're scrolling around Netflix and you want to watch a really good psychological thriller, that's got uh, Spider-Man, uh, the, uh, uh, oh shit! Uh, the Winter Soldier, and uh, you know the sparkling vampire slash Batman. Um, <laughs> there's a movie on Netflix right now called The Devil All the Time. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty yep. wild fucking ride. I started it. Oh, and it's got Pennywise in it too. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, hmm. so it's uh whoa. But enough of that. If you need a beard, if you want a beard. <laughs> If you want to grow a beard that could even stave off the likes of an entity such as the Shaitan Naga Uba, that's the Tootsie Pop Tongue Bitch, check out oh, BigDopsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and get yourself the best looking and best smelling goddamn beard that you could ever have in your whole entire life. And uh, check out scents like Dundee Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Citrus, classic mint fresh and then uh if you don't want to have a visit from the kamakiri go to www.cutsbycolin.com and book yourself an appointment today to get your hair razzled and dazzled and tell them the boys from pixelated paranormal sit you oh yeah did you plug our promo code for big dobs i don't know maybe maybe not but it's pxl I don't think you did p-a-r-a for 20 percent off your order 20 percent I'm going to cleverly edit that together. Stacks on stacks of kappas. 
<laughs> caps on caps. Cool. All right, boys. And then uh, please go down, check out CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. Say hi to Leslie and the gang. If you do, pop in there, make a little purchase, and then mention the show. And they got a, a stack of stickers there for listeners who come in. The supplies are somewhat limited, so hurry in there by yourself. Maybe a spooky movie for Septoberween. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, stop in and tell them Pixel and Paranormal sent you in there. And then check out our friends down at Harry and Rock Road at Fast Print. If you have anything you got to get printed, any artwork, any posters, any promos, any flyers, whatever, just drop in there and uh, say hi and uh, get your shit printed. Ooh, anything else? I mean, you were pretty close when you called it. I mean, we're at like an hour, you know, <laughs> an hour 10, let's call it right now by the time you edit some shit out. So, yeah. And you said an hour yeah. 20, so. Not bad. Not too far away. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I guess uh, maybe it's my turn to pick a topic for next time, unless you got another one loaded up in the chamber. Uh, no, you know, uh, we discussed earlier today about doing a, a Halloween special on a topic. So I think that's the yeah. next one I'll try to Jesus take the wheel on and, uh, you know. Surprise me for the next one, boo. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's get out of here, guys. I'd love to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.